It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. What an incredible Cinderella story. This unknown comes out of nowhere to lead the pack. Ed Augusta is on his final hole. He's about 455 yards away. He's going to hit about a two iron, I think. Well, he got all of that. The crowd is standing on his feet here at Augusta. The normally reserved Augusta crowd. Going wild. For this young Cinderella, who's come out of nowhere, he's got about 350 yards up. He's going to hit about a 500 expect, don't you think? He's got a beautiful bedroom. That's, oh, he got all of that one. He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left, and he's got a... Looks like he's got about an eight. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story, out of nowhere. A former greenskeeper now about to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! He's in the hole. Hey, young fellow, I was hoping to squeeze in nine holes before this rain starts. From the Tom Sumner Show. Oh, yeah. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. A little... Uh, little hat tip to the Masters getting underway today in Augusta. And uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he lines up this last shot. A little Bill Murray from Caddyshack as our way of acknowledging the Masters. And one of the reasons for acknowledging the Masters is Tiger's back. He's going to try and make another comeback. You think he can do it? Well, we're going to find out. Um, lots of other things we're going to talk about today on the show. We might get back to... Uh, to golf before the end of the show, but we'll we'll see how that plays out. Um, but coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, a very interesting uh, topic to be sure. Um, we're going to talk about a book uh, called Dear Friends. It's an anthology of stories, poems, and art created by Pops members and grads. Uh, Pops is um, an organization called Pops the Club which is uh, a school-based program 
Um, and this book is a testament to the resilience of young people affected by family incarceration, which is what Pops the Club is all about. And we'll have uh, communications ambassadors and Pops alumni, Holly Caps and Catherine, uh, or Catherine rather, uh, Cicada, joining us during the third half of our three-hour tour to talk about Dear Friends. And uh, here are some friends of a different kind from the folks at National Geographic. Uh, a new book uh, featuring the photographs of David Lichwager um, in a book simply called Octopus, Seahorse, and Jellyfish. And um, David Lichwager will uh, be our guest during the, the middle portion, the second hour of our three-hour tour but we're going to start out talking about the uh, talking to the trees <laughs> also from National Geographic a new book uh, from author Susan Tyler Hitchcock a writer specializing in history nature and science and uh, the author of a new uh, National Geographic uh, installment called Into the Forest the Secret Language of trees and uh, Susan will be with us here in uh, in just just a couple of minutes um, and I guess uh, well and and also we'll just mention that coming up later this month is the 150th anniversary of Arbor Day that's coming up at the end of April and one of the reasons why they wanted to bring the book out now was uh, to celebrate the 150th uh, anniversary of Arbor Day. And speaking of anniversaries, uh, we have our 15th coming up. I have a spot running that says 14th, but we're actually uh, launching our 15th year this month of doing the Tom Sumner program, and we have a special get-together. I wish you'd uh, come by and join us on April 20th, that's a Wednesday, at 4 p.m. at the White Horse on Court Street near downtown Flint, and um, <laughs> the home of some of the early days of armchair politics, speaking of Wednesdays. Uh, but uh, we're going to be there. It's a, uh, it's, it's a launch party. It's a... Uh, celebration of 14 years of doing uh, some interesting and, and various uh, radio uh, interviews and features and it's uh, it's also um, an appreciation party for listeners for uh, sponsors and contributors and for people who have guested on the show uh, writers and elected officials and musicians and actors and, and uh, people from all walks of life. So I hope you'll join us. That's April 20th at 4 p.m. at the White Horse on Saginaw, or not Saginaw, on Court Street near downtown Flint, the White Horse. <laughs> And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guest this hour is a, um, a writer. Uh, she is uh, a senior editor for National Geographic Books, and um, 
if I can get my page to turn here, I will uh, add that she is a writer and editor specializing in science, nature, and history, and the author of a, a new book from Nat Geo called Into the Forest, The Secret Language of Trees, and she joins me by phone, and her name is Susan Tyler Hitchcock. Susan, good morning and welcome to the show. Hi there. Good, good to talk with you from uh, a fellow Michigander to you in Michigan. Oh, where were you from in Michigan? I grew up in Ann Arbor and went to the University of Michigan. I live in Virginia now, but I have fond memories of forests <laughs> in the Ann Arbor area. <laughs> well, I, I'm surprised when you say forests in the Ann Arbor area that you didn't... Um, go right to northern Michigan or the Upper Peninsula. People from Michigan usually do, especially if they're going to talk about nature and trees. And Well, I, you know, we went up, my family would go up to Traverse City every now and then, but I spent most of my time in southern Michigan. But there were, at that time, at least plenty of forests to walk in. I've gone back to my home uh, since then, and, and a highway cuts back through the forest that I used to walk oh, through. No. So, uh, yeah, but um, yeah, but that that was the first forest that I uh, that I spent my time in, and and then I um, my grandparents moved from Detroit to Vermont, and so there were gorgeous forests there in Vermont, and now I live in in Virginia, and uh, my husband and I built a house right on the edge of a forest here in central Virginia, so. I've had forests to uh, walk through and look at and love all my life. Well, that's wonderful. How did you first uh, um, start your your love affair with trees, or at least the ability to talk to them? (laughs) (laughs) You know, they talk to me more than I talk to them, actually. Um, No, just as a child... um, wandering in the forest and it's really been interesting as I've worked on this book to um, read so many educators and psychologists who have um, done actual studies comparing groups of students who uh, take tests uh, you know after being in their busy daily life versus the same group kind of group of uh, students who've spent the last two days in the forest and they come back and the the two sets of students take the same test, but the ones who spent a couple of days in the forest have better concentration, more imaginative ideas, um, and and more kind of confidence in their answers. Um, So, you know, that's one of many ways in which uh, scientists are actually discovering or maybe that's not the right word for it, it's proving of what we uh, many of us know all along, which is that being in the forest, taking time to visit a forest, a, a woods, a park, um, is really a way to enhance your life. <laughs> well, the title of the book is Into the Forest, The Secret Language of Trees. Um which makes it sound like a like a high fiction fantasy, but um, <laughs> but what what is it that you mean when you talk about the secret language of trees? So by that, I'm I think of it in two ways. I think of it as communication between trees, 
among the trees themselves and then communication from from trees to us human beings um there have been we've known for a, a number of decades that trees um can com- convey messages to one another through the air um a classic example is the trees of the african savanna called the acacias um favorite food of the giraffe and when a giraffe chews on the leaves of an acacia tree that tree sends out a chemical signal that um moves through the air to neighboring acacia trees um an alarm signal saying look out there's a giraffe chewing on me watch out and the neighboring acacia trees respond to that chemical signal by developing a bitterness in their leaves so that when the giraffe moves on to the next tree the leaves are unpalatable and the giraffe leaves it alone um that's a classic example there are a number of examples in nature like that where trees actually uh use their volatile volatile essences the the gases that they put out from their leaves uh and flowers um to com- to communicate with one another but there's also really interesting new science of the last 10 years uh particularly by the the scientist forest ecologist Suzanne Samard who contributed the foreword to my book about how trees communicate to one another underground using the um mycelium the mycorrhizae the fungal network network of of fun, fungal threads fungus threads all underground and uh convey either alarm signals like the acacia trees in Africa or um nu- nutrients and nourishment um from one tree to another um an example of of an experiment that Susan Susan Samard did was that her she and her students uh planted seedlings of ponderosa pine and douglas fir they covered the plants with a uh, a cloth so that there was no um communication through the air but they um were able to document that when they pulled the seedlings off of one of the uh trees the a tree nearby bulked up its um its needles and um protecting itself from the same sort of damage and since the the seedlings were covered the messages must have been going on underground so Suzanne Samard is really um opening up this whole world of communication that happens tree to tree underground through the fungus in the soil But I also think of the secret language of trees as what trees have told us. Trees have been there ever since humans evolved. In fact, the earliest trees, the proto-trees as the archaeologists call them, date back to 385 million years ago on planet Earth. That's 100 million years before there were even dinosaurs on Earth. So, they've been here long before us. mythologies and religions all have a tree at their center um trees convey ancient wisdom and and portray uh peace serenity uh beauty and um calm to us and it's one of the experiences we have as we take a walk into the forest whether we do it uh for real or in our imaginations or by thumbing through the pages of my book 
More with author Susan Tyler Hitchcock from National Geographic straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Babies come with lots of decisions. Cloth or disposable? Crib or bassinet? So when it comes to protection... 
Go with the safest, most effective choice, vaccination. Get all the recommended vaccines for your baby by age two to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with author Susan Tyler Hitchcock from National Geographic, straight ahead. Well, I know, Susan, when I, when I learned about the, the rings of trees, that you could tell the age of a tree by the rings, but you have to cut that open to do it. Um, mm-hmm. and, but I was fascinated um, that there was that, that built-in chronometer, um, and, yep, and that's right. And what I'm wondering is, what are the things that trees can tell us externally that we don't have to cut them up to find out? What can they tell us externally? Well, we can certainly learn from their um, their seasonal patterns, their beauty, their... Um, uh, ability to weather the storm, so to speak. Um, I mean, can we know, tell I, the age of a tree by by its height, by how thick it is? Um, what? No, not really, because the um, conditions within which that tree is growing are going to be an in, in influence on how wide and how tall it grows. So, really, the rings are the one way, unless you know when the tree was planted, um, that's really the one way I know of to figure out the age of a tree. But, you know, it's interesting. The rings of, of wood, the rings in wood have been used by archaeologists to to decide how old certain um, artifacts are. There's an old um, wooden walkway in England um, and they have been able to slice a tiny bit of the of the uh, that uh, wooden walkway off and compare the rings of that wood to other um, ancient pieces of wood around to find out how old that uh, walkway is. So um, there are you know there are secrets in those tree rings that uh, are, tell us a lot about history. Um, they also the tree rings expand and contract year after year depending i mean not they will either be wide or narrow depending on what kind of a weather uh, was that particular year a wider tree ring indicates that it was a plant uh, there was plenty of rain um, and a narrow tree ring means that it was a drier year so you can almost uh, in the tree ring see the the course of weather over time you know, trees play such a significant role in um, in our our atmosphere and oxygenation uh, of the planet through photosynthesis mm-hmm. and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, when people talk about climate change and the risk to people and animals, what is is there a risk to foliage and and to trees as well oh indeed i mean 
Yeah, because the glo- because of global warming. That is, trees, the ranges of trees um, are weather dependent, and as um, the planet warms, trees are less comfortable in the ranges that they've been living in. So there's that. Uh, and and we are learning that both animals and plants have been shifting their ranges slightly northward um, over the last uh, century, at least, um, in response to the slow warming of the planet. Um, yeah, it's you know it's worth remembering back to your uh, high school biology to photosynthesis trees and all green living plants. Um, bring in carbon dioxide and water, and they give off oxygen, which we depend upon. Um, They also hold in carbon, and it's the carbon um, that makes the complex carbon molecules that make the wood of the the roots, the trunk, the branches, and then the flowers of fruit and nuts um, of the tree. And so trees are really... um, nature's carbon sink. We are so concerned about excess carbon in our atmosphere and talk about finding ways of new carbon sinks. Well, trees are the original carbon sinks of of our planet, and it's one of the reasons why the old forests, whether we're talking about the rainforests or old forests of the temperate region, are so, so important to our, um, our planet's health because they are... Um, uh, holding in carbon and letting out oxygen. What do you mean when you refer to um, mother trees? Mother trees is a phrase coming from Suzanne Samard again. They're the old, old trees within the forest that um, even may be approaching death but are uh, providing through the mycelium um, nourishment to trees around. They're sort of the guardians of the forest and very important. Um, you know, unfortunately, when um, we're lumbering, we tend to take down those trees and leave the rest behind, but they are the ones that are keeping the younger trees alive. So it's all the more important um, to preserve the old forest that we have um, on our planet. You know, we hear a lot about lumbering and, and how rapidly uh, um, some areas of the planet are being deforested. Um, is is there a way to um, harvest trees responsibly, or is it is it all uh, kind of dangerous? I'm sure there is a way uh, to harvest, and I, I feel as if I'm not an expert on that by any means. I, I, I really would have to turn to others for um, the best answer to your question, but there must be. I mean, we human beings have been using wood um, for millennia, and um, it's, it's really sort of a balancing act. I think that we are so overpopulated now on the planet, we are using more wood than our share. <laughs> um, and so that's one of the reasons why we're not only preserving the old forest, but planting uh, new trees um, 
and that is definitely one way that we can try to counteract um, the effect of deforestation over the last century or two, or even more. I mean, when I think about what must have happened on this continent, this North American continent, as as the Europeans came and started clearing the land, um, it, it goes all the way back to that then here in this continent and probably even further back on other continents as well. Well, it just seems like um, because trees are somewhat prolific, you you would have to say that that there there must be a way to harvest responsibly and and to manage um, harvesting trees. You know, using it for lumber, but picking certain trees, not picking the really old ones, not picking the really young ones. Planting a couple of trees for every tree you take. You, you know, it just seems mm-hmm. like there might be some kind. And and I was just curious if you had, you know, in your studies and research if you had to come across uh, a a formula for responsible uh, um, harvesting of trees because I don't think we're ever going to stop using wood. Right, exactly. I mean, paper. Thanks to the trees for the paper my book is printed on. <laughs> so <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, as I say, I, I'm I'm not an expert on that. I can't really answer. Yes, yeah, Susan, uh, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. I just wondered if you yeah. had read something or come across something that, that you yeah. know indicated, you know, if you're gonna do these things, um, you know, if you buy some property in, you know, northern Michigan or the mm-hmm. UP, and you decide to clear some land, you know what. What should you do so you're not really just creating all damage and and not doing anything that's that's useful for sustainability? Yeah, I mean, I suspect that that certainly um, selective harvesting rather than clear cutting that would certainly I'm sure that's one answer to the question. And you know, getting the advice of a, of an arborist. Um, who's respectful of how the forest works as a whole rather than looking at it tree by tree. Um, uh, as, as we uh, say in the title to Suzanne Samard's forward in my book, Seeing the Forest for the Trees, um, and Seeing the Trees for the Forest, um, recognizing that the forest is a, an organism in itself as well as a bunch of trees. Um, I think that that state of mind can certainly um, inform some good decisions. Now, I can only think of, of one place, and that's where the uh, where the redwoods are in California that are protected. Are there other places where, um, where forests are being protected? Oh, there are protected forests all over the world, and certainly in the United States there are um, Well, that's that's why I forests. said I, I, I imagine that yeah. there are. I just I could only yeah. think of the one. Yeah, oh, there are national forests all over the country. And certainly um, uh, biological preserves, um, I know of some in Central and South America, and I'm sure many in Europe, um, uh, so I can't really name them off the bat, but I yes, we we have 
protected forests. An interesting story along those lines is, comes from Japan, where in the um, 1980s, when the government recognized how quickly the, the country was going urban, to the point now that more than 90% of Japanese live in cities, they established the, process, uh, the, the um, practice called forest bathing, or shinrin-yoku, and actually established um, 62 parks designed to allow city folk to actually go into a forest setting, even within the city, and experience what we can um, uh, experience by being among the trees. So forest bathing is now kind of an international um, trend. Um, there are people offering forest bathing tours. There are training programs in forest bathing. But it all began with the Japanese government in the 1980s uh, recognizing that people living in cities still needed trees and needed the forest. What were some of the things that you wanted to make sure and share with people in this new book from National Geographic into the forest? Yeah, um, I would, um, you know, this is, we're, we're publishing this as a um, a recognition of the 150th anniversary of Arbor Day, which was established by a fellow who actually was from Michigan. His name was Jay Stanley Morton. He went to the University of Michigan, and then he moved to the Nebraska Territory in the 1840s. It wasn't even a state yet. He became a newspaper editor and um, a politician, and um, ultimately he believed in planting trees. It's a little bit ironic because now we're trying to reestablish the plains of Nebraska. But he planted, a partic- we know that he planted more than a thousand apple trees and many pear trees as well in um, in his neighborhood of Nebraska City. Um, and he had instated into the, um, the law of the state of Nebraska, Arbor Day um, in April, uh, 150 years ago. So we still, it's a, an official holiday in Nebraska. It is an unofficial holiday around the world, really, usually celebrated in in April, but in other months in other countries as well. Um, China has a, a, a plant the tree, plant a tree day every, every March. Um, and there have been amazing tree planting efforts, um, around the world. I understand that in 2020, on one single day, um, in India, 250 million plant uh, trees were planted in one on wow. one day as part of a nationwide effort. Um, and when I hear about that, I think about uh, a woman from Kenya uh, named Wangari Matai. She actually received the Nobel Peace Prize in 2004 for her work um, on behalf of planting trees in her homeland of Kenya and across uh, Africa, um, the movement became known as the Green Belt Movement. And I love what she said in her um, in her acceptance speech of the Nobel Peace Prize um, award ceremony. She said, "We are called to assist the Earth to heal her wounds, and in the process, heal our own." And I, I hope nice. that that message comes through in my book as well. When is Arbor Day? I know it's late well, this, this this month. Yes, yes, it's um, the 29th 
of April. It's kind of bounced around. At one point, it was the 22nd, which was Morton's birthday. Um, but now, I think in Nebraska, it is officially the fourth Friday, and we're celebrating it as of April 29th, um, but sometime in the month of April. But you know what? I like to say every day is our Earth Day. <laughs> Good point. I I have Earth Day on the 22nd. Mm-hmm on my calendar yes right yeah but i don't but there's no indication for arbor day which is why i asked yeah you know um it's a very unofficial um observation and i i had to do a little bit of research to even understand what arbor day was i i I have friends who remember um planting trees or being given little trees at school to take home and plant uh for Arbor Day, but I don't have those sorts of memories. I just have memories of loving trees all my life. <laughs> I, I, is that still do you think that's still a thing in in uh public schools? I don't know, because I'm talking to my friends who are many years past public school. I don't know. That would be good to know. I just wonder what people do now to commemorate Arbor Day. And and what are yeah. some things that people could do, even if they aren't already being encouraged to? Well, they certainly could follow the tradition of planting a tree, you know, find, find a good... Um, nursery and and find a tree that you know will do well in the conditions you're going to give it in uh, put it in and then take good care of it um contributing to some of the organizations that support the preservation of the old forests i i suggest for example the old growth forest network and um the rainforest alliance contributing to those organizations is another way of 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 supporting the trees in our world and then just really sort of taking a moment to more deliberately think about the trees in your landscape um in your life and um and to thank thank them for all that they give us in our uh daily life and our human existence well this is uh Fascinating, and and I'm getting the biggest kick out of the title of the book, Into the Forest, The Secret Language of Trees, because I have a a bit, I'm going to play it a little bit later uh, in the hour, uh, from the Smothers Brothers, uh, (laughs) where they they have a little fun with a song from, uh, I think it's from Paint Your Wagon, called literally, I Talk to the Trees. I'll have to go look for that one. (laughs) Oh, it's, it's very funny. It's it's very funny. Yeah. I think you would enjoy it. I a love lot. them. Um, I will I will check it out. Anyway, uh in honor of the one hundred and fiftieth anniversary of Arbor Day, um and celebrating the wonder of trees this month, this April, which also includes uh, Earth Day. Um the book is Into the Forest, the Secret Language of Trees, with uh or from rather um National Geographic, and uh, author Susan Tyler Hitchcock. Susan, thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. Um, You know, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about what we've been talking about. And um, and, and I I guess I'll just ask, um, do you have a website that you can share? 
You know, I encourage people to go to the nationalgeographic.com website. There are going to be lots of things having to do with trees and um, nature because we are celebrating Earth Day as well as Arbor Day. And the next issue of National Geographic will be all about trees. So I encourage people to just connect in with nationalgeographic.com and the magazine. And then also to look for my book, um, either online or at your favorite bookstore. And if it's not there, ask them to order it. Then maybe they'll order you one and put a couple more on the shelf. Well, Susan, thank you so much for uh, spending this time with me and keep up the good work. Thank you very much for having me. Take care. Bye. That was uh, Susan Tyler Hitchcock. She is a writer and editor specializing in science, nature, and history, the author of 14 books. She has also written the text for numerous National Geographic photography books, um, including Joel Sartori's uh, photo arc series which is uh, interesting. Joel's been on the show a couple of times talking about the photo arc uh, project. And um, the new book is uh, called, let me, let me make sure I get this right, because I just, I love this title, Into the Forest, the Secret Language of Trees from National Geographic and Susan Tyler Hitchcock. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight up. Now, when a virus comes along that's spreading like a plague, and POTUS and his lackeys have been nothing if not vague, well then you've got to trust the CDC and listen well, unless you want to bid our free society farewell. There is a super bad transmittable contagious awful virus And if we don't act quick and social distance it will mire us In a stretch of quarantine that lasts until July A super bad transmittable contagious awful virus And if you got a better cough in your arm And if you got a better... <coughs> now back in 1918 influenza had its run But half the docks were busy overseas with World War I Today we have mass media and scientists to say If you don't want this virus well then stay six feet away Super damn important that we practice isolation Cause we're asymptomatic while it's an incubation We'll overwhelm our hospitals if there's not mitigation It's super damn important that we practice isolation if we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. If we don't do it, then we're all gonna die. And so I hope at last you'll take this lesson here to heart. Cause it's already scary and we're only at the start. If you get bored, just think of the immunocompromised. Who can't go much of anywhere unless it's sterilized. Oh, super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. If we don't act quick and social distance, it will mire us. In a stretch of quarantine, the last until July. A super bad, transmittable, Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Super bad, transmittable, contagious, awful virus. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program
Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community Schools. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Weiscarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Lone Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Quiplet Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. 
Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. We'd like to do a uh, song from a Broadway show. The show is Paint Your Wagon and the song is I Talk to the Trees. The stars, but they never hear me. The breeze hasn't time. The breeze hasn't time to stop and hear what I hear say. What I, say. I talk to them all. I talk to them all in vain. But suddenly, my suddenly. Stupid song. <laughs> Every time that I that I hear you sing time. that song, I think it. Boy, what a stupid song. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, but you really pick a fine time to tell me about it. Well, I wanted to surprise you. No, oh. yeah. you just succeeded. You surprised me. But for your information. Talk to the Trees is not stupid. It's, it's from a hit Broadway show entitled Paint Your Wagon, which was a great show. A lot of great songs. Paint Your Wagon? <laughs> yeah. stupid, sounds like a stupid show and a stupid song. And it's a dumb... And anybody connected with a show or a song like that has got to be a stupid, dumb, weirdo freak. All right, I agree with you. The show happens to be about a young man very much like yourself. Maybe I spoke a little hastily. It's about a young man very much like my brother. He's young and shy and bashful, very timid, but he's so much in love. That, that makes everything all right. He was so much in love, it was his first love. But he was so bashful that he was afraid to tell his sweetheart that he loved her, and she knew not of his love. But he had to tell someone or something because it, this frustration, this terrible feeling was building up within him. And... Finally, he did a very beautiful thing. He went out did into the Did he tell country. her that he loved her? No. He never did. He wished he could. He wished he had the courage to walk up to her and take her by the hand and look deeply into her eyes and say very simply and truthfully, I love you. I love you very much. And I only hope that one day you may grow to love me half as much as I love you right now. I will. Because I... <laughs> That's just enough. 
But he couldn't do that. So one day he went out in the countryside and he tried to communicate with Mother Nature's wise old trees and, and talk to these trees and tell these marvels of nature, these wise old trees of his great... You guys are real nut. <laughs> no, he's not a nut. Sneaking off into the forest to talk to the trees. <laughs> Tommy, that's not what he did. Hi there, Mr. Tree. How are you? How's Mrs. Tree? <laughs> All the little bushes. <laughs> A guy like that Tommy. would talk to a fire hydrant. Fire hydrant? What do you mean fire hydrant? Hi there, fire hydrant. Just been talking to this big old tree over here. <laughs> Certainly have a lot in common, you two. <laughs> All right, now that is just enough. Tommy, don't you understand at all? Just a second. Hi there, Stage. Used to be a tree, didn't you? <laughs> You are a very shallow, callow individual. You have made fun of this song. You haven't even tried to understand. Who's your fat friend? <laughs> used to be a tree, didn't you, fatty? <laughs> you leave my base See what alone. Happens? You hang around with the wrong type of people. Shut up! <laughs> you really should be proud of yourself. Really, you should be very proud of yourself. You stood up here and you ridiculed me. You ridiculed mm. this song. You ridiculed a wonderful show. And, it's, and you think everybody's proud of you out there. You think they're all looking up there and say, oh, why, isn't he a sharp, clever boy? No, they're all staring at you. They're staring and wondering. And they've, you know what you've shown them? You've shown them how crass, how shallow, how unfeeling an individual can be, how totally void of any poetic beauty in your entire makeup, your entire soul. You didn't understand the song? You ridiculed me and you've come down why a, a you notch or two. That's you, all I've got to say. You, you what? Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't care what you do now. You didn't like... Go ahead. You talked, you talked mean to me, and, and you said that I didn't have any sensitivity, and I was a crass, shallow person. I happen to be a person, too, Dickie, and I have sensitivity, and I have feeling, and I have love in my heart. I'm sensitive to every little blade of grass that grows. But I wouldn't talk to him. another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. If you 
show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>